Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. So I don't know about y'all, when I think of South Carolina basketball, really only two names pop in my head. Sedarius Thornwell, who took him to the Final Four, and then Frank Martin, who's the coach of the team. There's not a lot of illustrious history, is there, Chuck? You don't remember Dave Well, Odom? you got to go way back. Uh-uh. Don't know Dave Odom? Okay. I can't say I know who that is. Yeah, you got to go way back. Dave Odom runs the uh, Maui tournament now. Um, uh-huh. They, um, you know, they've, they've, they've had success here and there flash in the pan stuff uh they had the run to the final four when frank martin was there but that's really the only you know the only year that he was there that they were a real threat they've just and i don't know why exactly i mean there are a lot of good players over in that area but they've just um they've just struggled to win yeah that's a it's kind of odd in georgia basketball with the exception of dominique wilkins and I, i guess they just had anthony edwards but i would think being where they are 45 minutes to an hour from Atlanta that Georgia basketball should never be as bad as it's been the last two decades or so. South Carolina, like you just said, Chuck, is kind of that same ballpark. Well, I don't know that they, um, you know, I don't know that, that basketball matters the way it does here or the way it does maybe at some of the other places in the SEC. I mean, Georgia's a football school first, last, and always. And I think South Carolina fancies itself that way, but they're really not. Um, but football is more important to them than basketball. They've got a great arena. I mean, it's a beautiful arena. It looks a lot like Bud Walton. Tom, but, didn't, uh, the they same floor plan? didn't they use the same basic blueprints? Because they built yeah. theirs not many, not too many years after Bud Walton was built. And I've heard the story somewhere in the past where basically they copied the blueprints of Bud Walton when they built theirs. Well, they came over here and looked at it, and um, it, there are some similarities. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure the architecture firm's the same one, and there are many similarities when you, uh, you know, when you look at it. They've used their facility for a lot of things outside of basketball, whereas Bud Walton Arena's primarily been a basketball arena. They've used it for a few other things here and there, but primarily a basketball arena. They've used theirs really as a multi-purpose facility over there. They have big concerts and such in theirs. He got well, Walmart shareholders. I know we had a concert. I think it was there. I can't remember if it was there or Barnhill my freshman year, but is that kind of surprising that Bud Walton isn't used for no, other things? No, that was the plan all along. Okay. That was the plan all along. It was a plan from the very beginning. People that's, why, that's, that's why it's 30 years old, and men uh, need some updating. But when you're inside and sitting in your seat looking at the arena, uh, that's as modern as any arena out there. That's a 30-year-old building. People forget South Carolina came in with you in the SEC way back when in the 90s, and I know that there are some similarities. Uh, Chuck, or Chuck 
Clay likes to make the comparison of South Carolina and Arkansas. He feels like the two fan bases are similar. I know they have Clemson in the state as well, but basketball-wise, there's really not a lot of similarities between the two programs outside of the facility y'all are talking about. I got to be honest. I don't think about South Carolina a lot because we don't uh, we don't play them much in football anymore. They're not the permanent opponent, and they've just been kind of so-so in basketball. Um, you know, it's a long trip over there, and the only time we're ever there is to play a game. I mean, I don't know that, you know, Razorback fans find themselves passing through Columbia, South Carolina all that much. And so, um, you know, I, I just – I don't think about them all that much. I, I, I think that our – now, I will say this. They are very rabid about football, uh, even in years when they've not been good. They're very rabid. Uh, they put 70,000, 80,000 people in their stadium when they were a 500 team. Now, it would be empty at halftime. Maybe not empty, but about half of them would be gone. But they always filled it up, and I, I was always impressed by that. But it's never been that way in anything else, except when they were really good in baseball. Uh, when they were really good in baseball, they, they, they brought people into the ballpark. But I remember when they weren't good at baseball, and nobody came. So uh, um, they fancied themselves as a football-first school, and I guess they are. Well, they've never had their Steve Spurrier in basketball. You know, they had well, Lou Holtz. Right. Or Lou Holtz for that well, well, Lou Holtz didn't really win big. but he No, but he was a big name. He was a big name. They have not had, they have not found their Spurrier for basketball. And they were, I guess, what we're hoping Frank Martin would have been that guy. And he, he did get him to a Final Four. So there's, there is some fairness there. But it was, was it Frank Martin or was it Thornwell? I mean, it, I don't know. Was it Belichick or was it Brady? I don't know. But, uh, uh, point being, it, they're going to have to have a coach that's a Hall of Fame-level coach stay for a while at South Carolina, and that's that's just not doesn't seem likely right now. Well, Lamont Paris, don't know a lot about him. He's a first-year coach. Um, he's got a bunch of transfers in there, kind of like everybody else does. And, you know, it's, it's tough to build. And, um, you know, let's just be honest. A lot of these schools are looking to catch lightning in a bottle. That's why we hired Stan Eath several years ago. I mean, you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle and, you know, hoping you don't have to spend a fortune to do it. And I don't know that this is the guy. He might be. But, um, you know, so far they're not very good. Now, they have an elite women's program, no question about that. So, I mean, um, They're kind of like what Tennessee was for a while. Right? They've got big crowds for women's games and nobody comes to the men's games. Uh, they do have – they pulled what some considers the best player in the country in G.G. Jackson. I know Nick was 24-7 sports. I think he was on ESPN. Now, he played at Columbia High School, so he's right there, and that's kind of the connection there. I, I am surprised occasionally – y'all were talking about the football team. Beamer brought in a top 15 class. You just mentioned Don Staley, what she's done at their program. And they've won a national championship in, what, the last decade or so in baseball? I think that's right. I, I, it may be close to 10, a decade, but 10, they've been nationally. Years. They have won national champion. Chuck may know better on the years. I think twenty twelve or thirteen might be their last national title. But they've obviously been very competitive um, to the last few years. They've fallen off by uh, to their own standards. So they well, you got to have the right guy. They had the right guy in baseball. Ray Tanner is a Hall of Fame college baseball Hall of Fame coach, um, and you got to have the right guy. They had the right guy when Spurrier was there in football. Um, you know, and, and you've, you've, you've got to have a great head coach. I don't care where you are in the SEC. I, I, I don't care which school you're at. Or what sport. If, if you don't have a great head coach, you're not in the game. Yeah. That's you're, why Don Staley is I – mean, she's yeah. a great coach. I mean, that's why she's winning 
national championships. I know that Mike Neighbors and company saw that firsthand when they went to Columbia. And that is just, they've kind of taken over as the perennial SEC team, which Pat Summit and Tennessee had for quite some time. You got, this is the longest, Tommy and I were discussing this yesterday, Chuck. This is the longest, I think, trip maybe outside of Gainesville that you take in the Southeastern Conference. Does that have any effect on a basketball team? It's about a three-hour plane ride, right? No, it's not that long. It's uh, it, It'll take less than two hours to get over there and about two hours to come back. I mean, it's all right. It's uh, Look, they're flying on a chartered airplane. You know, nobody's uh, you know nobody's having to walk. Nobody's having to get on a bus <laughs> until you get to the airport. I mean, nobody's having to do anything like that. So, no, that stuff's overrated. One of the things Musk mentioned yesterday is the fact that every OA visiting arena they've been in this year has been sold out. And, I mean, the Baylor atmosphere this past Saturday was awesome. I know that you would have loved to win that game. But do we expect uh, a hostile crowd as bad as South Carolina is on Saturday? I don't know. You know, they have not drawn well, and as you would imagine. But, you know, it's a Saturday afternoon game. And I've always believed that if a bad team is going to play its best game, it's going to be on a Saturday afternoon at home sometime in early February, late January. That's when they're going to play their best game. And um, Saturday afternoon games are different. They just are. And I think they'll have more people there than they might normally. Uh, it doesn't mean it's going to be a hostile environment. It's not going to be like Baylor. It's not even going to be like LSU back in December. But um, Saturday afternoon games on the road, you – you better come ready to play because if there's going to be an upset, that's when it's going to happen. That scared me to death, frankly, over at Vanderbilt uh, because they had their biggest crowd of the year. Part of that was because it was a ranked team, but part of it was because it was a Saturday afternoon. And uh, those are the games that I believe um, you better be ready to play because if you're on the road, you're very liable to get the other team's best effort. Hey, I'm a, I believe – Arkansas has got to find a way to, to rise above playing to the level of the competition. There's been moments where you could make the argument Arkansas has played down to the level of their competition. That That's the trap you can't fall into. Uh, you got to take – these are two teams that don't take care of the basketball very well. On paper, there's a few things that could, could turn this game ugly. But Arkansas has got to find a way to rise above that and play, you know, play at seemingly their own level and not let South Carolina pull them down. Tomorrow. They've had four straight games where they've played top-caliber defense. If they'll have a fifth straight game where they play top-caliber defense, they'll win this game. You're right. Um, you know, that's uh, – um, and uh, it's a game that – I mean, when you start out one and five, you got to win some games. I mean, you got to win some games. You had three straight home games, and you had to do – you had to win them all. I mean, Mus said that himself. He said we had to, and they did. Uh, there are certain games on the road you feel like that, you know, that's a chance to go get a road win, and there aren't going to be a whole lot of them. And this is one of those games. But you sh as we said earlier this week, you don't want to be the one. I mean, you don't want to be the one that goes over there and they beat on a Saturday at home. You don't want to be that team. Because, I mean, Arkansas is not even ranked. South Carolina wins this game, they'll rush the floor. No, because they're going to so, make So, I mean, you don't, you don't want to be that team. You're uh, four and five going in. You could come out five and five. You lose this game, you'll be at seven. They're going to make it two losses on your it's record. That bad. It's that bad. Here's the you referenced the month February, Chuck, and I know that Muss has said this team's not the same the last two, but he has won thirteen of his last fourteen games in February. 
yeah, is I mean, one we've loss. We've been really good in February. This we've is, been really good in February. And I think that only loss was on the road against Tennessee two years ago, if I remember that correct. So, I mean, he has been on fire as of late. And you get an opponent that's just – I know he can't walk in the locker room and say, they're just not any good. Like, you're just – you have well, no reason to lose this game. I, I wouldn't go that far. These guys are but all what? on scholarship. These guys are all on scholarship. If you've been out there at that level, I think everybody understands. Everybody's good enough to beat you. Mm. Everybody's good enough to beat you. South Carolina's not, you know, they've not won a home game yet. And would it be a bad loss? Oh, gosh, yeah, it'd be a bad loss. No doubt about it. But to sit here and say that, ah, you just go out there and go through the motions and don't screw up and you'll win, I, I, I think – um, you know, that's that that's a point where you're disrespecting your opponent, and that's when you get beat. Um, you know, these, these guys are on scholarship, and you better have some respect for that when you go over there. I think it's more, you just got to avoid that mentality. And I don't know if it's you identify some things you, you specifically want to work on. To me, I, you get out to a fast You want to win the game. You, yeah, you want to win the game but, by one point, run to the bus. Well, <laughs> yes, but I think the key to that is you want to get out to a fast start, and not give, not not let any hope fester in that arena tomorrow. Yeah. Well, you certainly don't want the home team to build momentum, but I mean, uh, I, uh, um, um, I think you know, I think Arkansas has got a chance to win this game. As I said, I think if their defense is like it's been the last four games, I think you win. I think you come home with a W, yeah. and um, you know, if you do that, then you're one four in a row in conference, and you're going to Kentucky, and you feel like you got a shot. But let's not pretend like we're Alabama or Tennessee or Purdue no. or Houston or someone of that nature rolling in here tomorrow. Arkansas has got a lot of things they need to work on themselves, but this is the game you can't lose if you're building a tournament resume. Uh, you could put a major hole in your resume with a loss at a place like South Carolina. Here's the thing. When you're four and five going on the road, I don't think you can sit here and say that anything's guaranteed. I mean, I don't think anything's guaranteed. I mean, uh, this this, this team was one and five in conference play, and we're sitting here talking like, hey, if they'll just go over there and not screw up, they'll win this game easily. I don't don't see that. I think the thing that – and you were talking about February, Ty. The thing that I think Muss has always been able to do is get his players to play for one another. I believe that right now we are just beginning to see this team really play for one another. Um, now there are a lot of different factors that have come into play, you know, for that, for you know, for it to be that way. But I think they're beginning to play for one another now. I think we've seen that in the last three or four ball games, and to me, that's the key in all this. They've got good players. They've got components that can take you a long way. But, um, you know, I think that guys, the guys that are left are putting their personal agendas aside and they're playing to win the game. And that's why I'm encouraged right now. Hey, do you have a loan with a variable or balloon interest rate and you're worried about the rising cost of interest? You know, with interest rates, they went up another quarter point this week and the Fed's not done. Farm Credit can lock you in with a long-term fixed rate for the life of your loan. Farm Credit's long-term fixed rates offer peace of mind in changing economic times. In fact, they've got the longest terms in the ag industry. Talk to Farm Credit today. Find an office near you at myaglender.com. That's myaglender.com. Farm Credit is an equal housing lender. Number one question still being asked about this basketball program, this team, is hey, is Nick Smith going to play? You know, so, <laughs> only I mean, took 45 minutes into the show to ask. Oh, we've had several texts about it. I mean, that's the question people... Yesterday, I had two two people. You think tomorrow, you know, I don't know. 
Musk was kind of tight-lipped about it in, uh, in, his, in his press conference. So, Chuck, is he going to play? I don't know. He's I mean, said, I don't know. I mean, he said there's no update. I mean, you, you think? Know. Do you think if Musk doesn't say that I'm going to come on here and tell you, even if I know, do you think Musk is going to call me up, say, "Hey, he's playing this week"? Of course not. Uh, They'll. Um, I think that you know, obviously, the thing here is that you know what was said at the beginning of January was you know he, he's not going to play in the month of January. Well, everyone's taking that to me. Well, that must mean he's going to play in February, and he may. I don't know, but. Um, you know, as I've said before, I, I don't I don't think about this anymore. I know fans do, and I get that. Um, I don't think about it anymore. If he's there and he's playing, that's great. Here's why I don't believe it would be a road game where you make your first return, because if there's a problem, if there's an issue, you don't want to have to get on the plane to get back to your own training room. You want to have everything available to examine, deal with, any potential issue in your own facility, in your own building, with no plane ride at 30,000 feet, all of these things following your first time back. I don't believe it will be a road game when he returns. Yeah. Next Saturday, Mississippi State, that's where I thought, I said that two or three weeks ago. I thought I figured he was going to come back would be for it. Now, there is the G.G. Jackson connection. I know that A.B., the, the connection there, and Nick has one with him as well, so I don't know if that would play into it at all, but... I tend to agree with you. I think Matt Townsend and Nick Smith would feel much more comfortable than being in Bud Walton Arena than they would be in Columbia. (laughs) Yeah, that too. But I think this, I I know that it's been frustrating. Chuck, you probably got that question more than we have from every Razorback fan. Not anymore because I just say the honest answer. I don't know. And, And look, nothing disrespectful, but neither does anybody else. Do you think even Musk knows? Realistically, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he knows or not. That, I, I think, I think you're, I think we're overanalyzing this. Does Musk know? Does this and that? I mean, I don't know. Hey, but here's what I do know: it's the number one thing people are still talking about around this program. It's the, oh, still the number I don't, one. Question. I don't. I don't. That's why I, don't, I brought it up. I understand that. I get that. But I think that people feel like there's a definitive answer out there that they're not being told. That everybody knows, but they're just not telling them. We're gonna will. We're gonna will it into existence, Chuck. We're gonna keep talking about it till he plays. We're well, talk and, about and, it till when he does. Right. We'll be, but, but and when he does, none of us will have a damn thing to do with it. <laughs> Here's where I think fans get frustrated: is when they see a B going through a knee contusion, a wrist injury, Jalen Graham with his Achilles, Ricky Council with his back, Devo's dealing with something. All these guys are seemingly playing. Not necessarily hurt, but they're hampered by stuff. And again, I'm not a doctor. I haven't had conversations with Nick or his dad or his family about what's actually going on. But they're watching these guys grimacing and putting out all this effort and energy for the Arkansas Razorbacks. And then there's the other guy that, again, we don't know what's actually going on with his knee. That's not but, fair. I mean, because you don't know. So, I mean, why would you? But, but that, that's what I'm saying. Because we don't know, we have all these assertions. We have all these thoughts that go through our head like they do with every other fan base that I, I don't think, this guy don't is think. not putting forth like the other guys. Are. I don't I don't, I don't. don't view Nick Smith that way. I don't look at it in that light. Then how do you look at it? Well, I mean, A, we don't know the extent of it. But B, I also understand what's at risk for him personally, financially. And, you know, I understand why they want to make sure. And the other thing is, Whatever the issue is, it, it seems from the outside looking at there's some kind of reoccurring problem that they don't want to have reoccur again. That's why they're seemingly taking all of these precautions. So I don't look at it. Boy, he's letting his team down. I, I, I don't look at it 
you know, like, boy, he's bailed out on you. I, I don't see it that way at all, and I think it's unfair of anyone that does view Nick in that light. So for Anthony, and who is another projected first-round pick, not as high as Nick, how do you feel about him? And I don't know, again, we it's hard to compare one injury to another, and I don't know if he's dealing with could be reoccurring or could hurt him down the road, but he's obviously not fully healthy right now, and he's playing. And you watch him each time, he's not – you could just tell by the way he acts in his face. KJ That's Jefferson what, wasn't fully healthy, and he played some football but, games. But you're this talking year. I mean, about financial that's just part of sports. I realize that you're talking about financial ramifications down the road. You've got one. You got two guys that are projected first round: mm-hmm. Anthony Black and Nick Smith Jr. One's projected higher than the other. There's a little more money involved. One guy is playing through stuff despite being projected, despite getting money at some point. I, I, I got from the I, national. I, I understand. And you've got another guy. Who is not? That's what fans but are not looking. Not all at. injuries are. Evil. I realize that, but again, we don't know what's going on. So it's like, well, they're not going to give you his medical chart. I mean, wh- I mean, what do you, what do you want? I think w- what happened with Trevor in Brazil ACL. Next day, we found out. Well, it was because like, okay. it was definitive. I mean, you know what's going on there. You got an ACL, and it's got to be operate. You're done. There's not. There's nothing Pe- else to say. But then fans are like, we don't, we don't know how to talk about this or say because it's so. In the back, it's in the back room. We have because nothing to go on. They don't know what to say because you know what? Probably Nick Smith and his camp don't know the, the the definite answer or the finality of where this is necessarily going. Sometimes both right. you just don't know. You're both right. We don't know, and there are millions of dollars at stake. But Ty, you're right too, because there are a lot of people out there that do think the very same thing you just said. Mm-hmm. They do think that. I know that. I've talked to them, and I know there are people that believe exactly what you just said. But here's the thing. There's just not anything we can do about it. There's not anything we can do about it. We live in an era where even, I mean, they're even talking about paying high school kids now. It's all about getting paid, whether we like it or not. When you get to that pro level, it's all about getting paid. I mean, we talked about in Sean Payton couple of days ago. Did you see what he's going to make to coach the Broncos? About $17 million a year. It's all about getting paid, boys. And that's what this deal's about. And those but radio sellers going to get we, bumped we up. Just, well, <laughs> you're second in line. But, all right. You know, but um, the reality, we think they know. We think Nick Smith and his team know, and they know exactly when he's going to return. And the reality is they probably don't know it definitively any better than we do we'd like but we think they're holding on to some secret they got this nugget of information they just won't share and maybe we can pry it out of them and that's just that's not always hey, how competitors it works. last though competitors yeah. last you, you you may get some money up front but competitors last Hey, it's Phil Elson. From all these years watching baseball, I've grown accustomed to watching closers in their element. James Teague isn't closing innings anymore. He's closing cases. With almost 30 years in the business, Teague Law Firm is a general practice firm that can help you with most family law issues, divorce, custody, and child support. They can also help with criminal law, both felonies and misdemeanors. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. 531-2785. Online at teague-law.com. The Teague Law Firm. If they can't help you, they'll talk baseball. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. 
Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V. Bet Online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Chuck, we got a chance to hear from three new coaches on Wednesday on National Signing Day. What are some of the things that you took away from the new additions? Well, they're enthusiastic about being here, and I think they're ready to go. You could hear it in their voices. I mean, these guys are wired a little bit differently. They hit the ground running, and it sounds like they've done that. I think when it comes to Enos, a lot of people already have their opinions, good or bad, of that hire, and then him kind of getting back into the mold of where he was. He's not going to have to re- or figure out his bearings and everything since he's been here before. But for Coach Woodson and, and Coach Wilson, what does that adjustment period look like for their new job, Chuck? Well, I don't know. You'd have to ask them about that. I, th- I think that, you know, they're no different than any other coaches. I mean, you uh, – these guys live nomad, you know, nomadic lives. I mean, it's not like they don't jump around. So, again, I mean, they'll uh, they'll hit the ground running. It's just like we've seen, um, you know, with some of these other guys, not just here but at different places that, you know, they start the day working for one school and end the day working for another one, and that's how it goes sometimes. Not in these cases, but my point is, is these guys are well-trained at hitting the ground running, and I don't think there's going to be that much adjustment period. Now you've hit the dead period, and these guys can, can put recruiting to a degree to the, to the side. I don't think recruiting ever really stops, but you are in the dead period. you got to realize these are, these are guys who put their pants on one leg at a time. they got wives and kids. they got to figure out how they move their family from – wherever they've been to here and that doesn't you don't just snap a finger there's not a you know there's not a moving ferry i wish there was but you know you got things like that to deal with you got six weeks or so to spring practice you got to figure out and evaluate through that process maybe what you need on the in the portal in may so i mean there's just a lot of things personally and professionally as you get ready for you know you think well we just got done with football well spring practice is what may or march 9th there's i think that's today march 9th when it begins so there's a lot of work done to to prepare and, and plan those practices coming up? Well, these guys don't work autonomously. So, I mean, um, I'm sure when Sam Pittman talked to them, there was at some point, here's what we need. Here's what I need. Here's what we have to have. So I think they've got a pretty good idea about, you know, what they are, you know, what's, what's needed from the minute that they walk in the door. They work out that moving stuff. Uh, they work that out, and they will. Um, I think right now, you know, you begin to focus, as you say, recruiting never stops. But uh, you got spring practice coming up, and it's an important spring practice. And so um, I'm sure they are beginning to gear towards that. But there are a lot of things to, you know, a lot of things to take in. But these guys are professionals at what they do. They'll be, you know, all that, all that stuff will fall into place. Yeah, I don't know how much Sam is going to let the media watch practices. Uh, but I'll be interested to see, and I think one indicator – of what they think is where do they go grab they got nine scholarships left where do they go grab players at what position groups and he talked the other day about best players available but i think there would be some indication on where they focus those last nine scholarships coming out of spring where the coaching staff kind of identifies where they need the most help i i'm sure that's probably true i don't know how many are going to be out there 
you know, um, it's not like at the end of spring practice it's just going to be fertile ground. Most of the players that are going to be out there probably came to the realization or were told at the end of spring practice, this is where you stand, and they didn't like what they hear. And so uh, they decided to go somewhere else. And so I don't know what kind of difference makers, so to speak, are going to be out there at the end of this. And, and um, you know, we'll just have to see how the numbers play out. I think Arkansas got Matt Landers in the late portal yeah, period they last got him year. At the late, yep. yeah. So, I mean, there's, you're, you're right in what you're saying, but it, there may be a few that, hey, I can't be the starter at Georgia or Bama or some elite program. I'm going to be two or three or four, whatever. And, hey, that, that's a difference maker, perhaps, at, well, at certain position groups in Arkansas. Let's not forget Matt Landers came here from Toledo. I mean, he started at Georgia, and he was looking to move back up. And Arkansas signed some receivers that are looking to move up, so to speak. Um, you know, there may be one of those guys out there. But, you know, you've got to have, uh, have more than one Matt Landers, and you've got to be better, frankly, than Matt Landers if you're going to, you know, be at a championship level. And so – uh, that's why I say, I mean, maybe you can find a diamond in the rough out there, but, but most of the guys, you know, maybe you can find someone that wants to move up, you know, but, but there aren't that many of those guys out there. Yeah, I, there's a lot less John Ridgeways out there than we like to think. I know that's who Pittman referenced in the press conference earlier this week, but I think that's so hard to find someone, especially on the interior, that, hey, they looked really good in D2 or JUCO or in a lesser conference, and they can do it in the SEC. It's just a different level. Well, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you, you know, we're talking about Matt Landers, we're talking about John Ridgway. You know, nobody's going to get fired up at the end saying, hey, we just signed a guy from Illinois State or we just signed a guy from Toledo. I mean, nobody gets fired up about that. You you try to find those diamonds in the rough. You try to find guys that are looking to move up, that are looking to prove something. Um, you know, when I look at some of this portal stuff, and I don't, we'll have to see five years down the road how the numbers all play out. But um, some of these guys that move from power five to power five, um, I got to question what's going on from the neck up sometimes. These kids that go from Toledo or Illinois State to a power five, I get that. They're hungry. You know, they still feel like they've got something to prove. A lot of guys that move from power five to power five just get mad. And uh, something's not right, and so they go somewhere else. Right. But uh, I, I, I personally like the idea of bringing in players from smaller places that are hungry. I think those are guys you can build with. Some people think they're all about getting paid, but I don't know if that late in the portal period that's for what, some I mean, of them. It is for know, some of them. It is. Yeah. I think a lot of them have a misguided self-perception of what their value is in the NIL market, and they get upset and frustrated with where they're at. And then realize, hey, I, I, I'm not going to do as good as I was doing where I was at. So Most of them, if you're a starter at the place you leave, you'll be a starter at the place you go. If you're a backup where you leave, you'll be a backup at the next place too, unless you go down. I don't know how accurate those on three NIL assessments are because, like you were saying, they're, they're pretty pretty high. Introducing Your Choice Tuesday at Buffalo Wild Wings. Buy one, get one 50% off on our traditional wings on Tuesdays. Then the best thing about Thursday at Buffalo Wild Wings is buy one, get one free on our boneless wings. Both offers are now available for dine-in and carry-out. Some exclusions apply. Visit your Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Fort Smith, and in Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Roar!
Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. I saw this morning on this day back in 2002 that the New England Patriots beat the greatest show on turf thanks to an Adam Vinatieri 48-yard field goal as time expired. We all know Tom Brady retired officially again earlier this week, and that's been constant on the news cycle Guys, I want to ask this morning, what is your favorite or least favorite, in some people's cases, Tom Brady memory? I, to me, it's when he was down 24 to 14 against the great or the Legion of Boom, and he came back and beat that Seattle Seahawks team. That comeback was unbelievable. He was spectacular in the fourth quarter. What stands out to you? I'd have to go with the Super Bowl against uh, the Falcons. Yeah, me too. Tom uh, Murphy's favorite. What was it? They down twenty one to three. I know it started out there, and then they got to twenty eight. Then got to twenty eight to three, yeah. and then he what was it Edelman that caught the pass to put it to overtime, and then they won. That was the first Super Bowl that went to overtime. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm just kind of going from memory here, but I, I would say that comeback against the Falcons. I mean, he played on the biggest stage so many times. It's hard to say well he, he did it on the biggest stage. Well, what didn't he do on the the biggest <laughs> stage? But Chuck, for me, it'd have to be that Atlanta game. Yeah, I'd go with that one. That would be my pick too. Is it weird that I also would put in that almost perfect season in there? And I'm forgetting which catch it was against the Giants, whether it was the David Tyree catch or the Mario Manningham sideline catch that really sealed the deal for the New York Giants. But even though that they didn't do it, the fact that they almost did it in today's National Football League, is that worthy of being discussed? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, to me, the thing about Brady is that you know, for the average sports fan out there, they're not going to sit there and pick plays and games and all this stuff. They they look at the totality. They look at uh, the phenomenon that is Tom Brady. I, I don't know that, you know, you've, you, you've really got to be an NFL fan or a Patriots fan, really, to go back, well, this was his best moment. You, you know, I think there are certain moments that for everybody they remember, like the Falcons win. I think that's probably what people, you know, if you were going to pick out a moment, that's probably what it would be. But... I think Brady's one of those guys that he played so long and had so many great moments that you really can't pick one. And I don't think most people do. I, I, I think what makes him, you know, so great is the fact that he just did it over and over and over again. Yeah. For over for over twenty years. And and it's the, the fairy tale story being being picked in the late rounds and being the last one off the board at his and and then declaring to Robert Kraft, "I'm the best decision you ever made." Then backing all of that up, it's it's the and whole marrying package. a couple of supermodels didn't uh, you hurt know, either. That didn't hurt either. But who amongst us has? You know, honestly. Yeah, you but know. but you know, you can't tell the story of Tom Brady and particularly from his detractors. You know, without Deflate Gate, without Spy Gate, without all the other things that I think for the the people that hate. Tom Brady, the Jets fans out there, the Dolphins fans, anyone in the AFC, more or less, that is a fan of one of those teams, their memories are going to be Deflategate, Spygate, all of those kind of things. Just like a Detroit Pistons fan is going to say Michael Jordan's the most protected player in the history of the <laughs> exactly. game. I mean, exactly. pro, pro, 
professional sports, and, and it's because it's a business. Professional sports protects their stars, and they cater the game toward their stars. Yeah. And um, these are for-profit businesses, and that's why they do it. And if you're a Raiders fan, probably the first thing you think of is the tuck rule, which has an <laughs> Arkansas connection with Walt Coleman, who was the referee in that game, who's from Little Rock. That would be the kind of uh, the, the natural state connection on I don't know if it's the most famous play, obviously, but it's it's a, it's a it's play that gets talked about, and they did an entire 30 for 30 on it or whatever, an ESPN documentary that came out, I don't know, a year or so ago on on the tuck rule and the tuck game, if you will. Because that led up to the first Super Bowl win that they have, mm -hmm. and people wonder kind of what that would do if he hadn't won that game and gone on to win that eventual Super Bowl. I, I think for Brady, it, the you guys mentioned where he was drafted and telling Kraft, Guy ran a 5-1 in the 40. You think you could out, outdo him No, in that? I couldn't run a 5-1. You couldn't run a 5-1. I, I was just like watching Maybe him. Maybe a 5-2. And he always had, what was amazing to me is he had these big runs in crucial situations, even though that he wasn't the fleetest of foot. Definitely not Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen or Burrow or some of these guys seen today. But he uses, like, he, he was so smart when it came to running. But if football. it was fourth and five, he was going to get you fourth. He was going to get you five and a quarter. Yep. I mean, he, Chuck, he's a competitor. I mean, if, well, if, that's if, just if, if he that's, if he knew where the line to gain was. Yeah. I mean, he was a willing runner. He was a guy that was going to try to win the game. I mean, that was his uh, that was his whole deal. I mean, that was his whole deal. JT and Hospice says Walt Coleman hates the Raiders, and that's why he created the Tuck Rule. Spoken Great. like a real sports fan, there. He created <laughs> the Tuck Rule. Oh. Well, uh, there's plenty of Tom Brady memories, and they've definitely been talked about this I week. Just, I, I wish the news would cover this story a little more. I mean, I've barely seen anything on TV about Tom Brady retiring. It's a good thing we talked about it a couple of mornings ago so the world would know. I mean, I didn't look. How many millions? It's got to be maybe 100 million views that video of his is. It's had at this point. Pop it up real yeah. Dead horse. Yeah, Dead almighty. Horse. All right, Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at redriverdodge.com. This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning Rush is presented by Baxter Health. Compassionate care beyond measure. Right, well, we talk about SEC basketball right now. I know we did our Pradco Pyramid of Power earlier this week. Guys, when you look at kind of where the coaches and the teams are at right now. We'll just go top to bottom. We're going to either say trending upwards or trending downwards. I think Alabama is pretty easy to say where they're going right now under Nate Oates. Tell me, in this season or as a program as a whole? Either or. I mean, to me, those are, I mean, in both questions, both answers would be up. I mean, but to me, there's programs that are trending up and down in the season right now. I think Alabama is about the same as they've been. Yeah, they had the loss at Oklahoma, but then they come back and they beat Vanderbilt by 112. I mean, I'm not concerned at all, Chuck, about Alabama and what trend line they're on in, in this season. No, Alabama's going to be probably a one or a two seed when we get there. And, um, you know, we'll see how far they go. I think they've got the talent to go all the way. I also think we've seen that they can lay an egg a time or two, but I would I would say they're they're trending in the right direction. Do we trust Alabama, though, to win a national championship? Yes, they're, they're very well, good. I think they'll win the SEC. But do we trust that program and Nate Oates and all of it to win a national championship? Well, I, I mean, let's let's you know, let's not act like that is is you know, it's national championship or bust. I mean, to me, I mean, if you get to the Final Four, you've had uh, you know, you've had in some cases a once in a lifetime season. So, 
Um, do we trust them to win the national championship? Well, I don't trust anybody to win the national championship. But I think there are four or five teams that have a chance to win it, maybe a little bit more, and Alabama's one of them. I'm not saying I'd kill your dog for a Final Four, but I'd do something pretty stinking close to <laughs> Lord. I'm just God. being honest. I haven't seen Lord. one yet. I was, I was in my mom's stomach, I guess, when they went in 94. And 95, I guess I was around, but that doesn't count. So I just want to see him, Arkansas, at some point do it. Yeah, Bama, Bama hadn't gotten past the Sweet 16 the past two years. So I may, But this is the best team that Oates has had. So you got to put that in perspective. Miller's a lottery pick. That clowny kid's unbelievable. Mark Sears is the guy that gets them going, though. He's outstanding. At 26 in Bud Walton Arena. I, that If he continues to play like he has, I would say there's definitely an opportunity for them to be in Houston. Oh, I think they're a Final Four caliber team. Absolutely. Arkansas, pretty easy. They're on the up and up. Auburn, I would say, up right now. What about Florida? They get a good win the other night. Todd Golden coming over from San Francisco. San Francisco to Gainesville is a long way. You guys got a chance to watch Florida at all this season with Colin Castleton? Watched them a little bit the other night. They, um, you know, they're one of those teams that's good enough to beat you at home, obviously, as we saw in the Tennessee game. Castleton's a good player. And they've, uh, um, you know, I know that we've gone down there a lot of times over the years where I thought we had a better team. We couldn't win down there. So, um, Florida will be, you know, they'll they'll do what they did the other night. They'll beat some teams at home, and they'll struggle to win on the road would be my guess. I'm sure glad that Arkansas plays them in Fayetteville and not in Gainesville. That's on the 18th of the month. So that, that'll be a good Saturday atmosphere, and yeah, I'm with you. I would not want to play Florida down there. I would, no. I would, I'd be nervous about that game. What do you all think about their former coach, Mike White, in Georgia this year? I know they lost to Auburn earlier this week. They've had a win or two that I was surprised by, but, I mean, I mentioned this earlier. I've been surprised that Georgia hasn't been good at basketball with their proximity to Atlanta. And I know they don't care about it, but what do y'all think where they're at right now? I think that's the deal. They don't care enough about it. I mean, that's just as, you know, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Football school. So. Kentucky's kind of figured it out a little bit with, with Cal last well, few they games. Turn in the corner. You got to I mean, play them Tuesday night. I hope they, they're still trying to figure it out on Wednesday morning. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Kentucky, I mean, this idea that there's not going to be very many seasons where Kentucky's just down and it's going to turn mid. I think there's a lot of similarities in young teams. Now, he's, you know, he's not quite the, 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 the same formula as they've been in the past, but he's had slow starts with young teams that's had to learn. I think there's there's some parallels with what Arkansas's had to do. Young players that's, that's had to grow up a little bit in the season. Arkansas's seen that in the last couple of weeks. I think Kentucky's getting the dividend of that as well, Chuck. You know, he's, he's not in the midst of, you know, a great run like, you know, he had there at Kentucky for a while. But I think as we look at all the one-and-dones now through NIL and all the things that, as we have seen this year, just on our team, we've seen all the things that come with signing these top-rated classes. Uh, it's never smooth. And, you know, Cal did it for a long time, year after year. Um First off, I think he's an underrated coach. I do think the run's about up there. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't end up in the Final Four this year. I just think for the people in Kentucky, his act's gotten old. And um, But Cal's a good coach. And, um, you know, he'll, uh, he'll have his team ready. That game got announced yesterday. It's going to be on ESPN at 8 o'clock, so I know a lot of people are excited about Super Tuesday next week. Got to beat South Carolina first. That's going to be a 9 o'clock Eastern. 
We played two games on the road that started nine o'clock. Chuck's Eastern favorite. Kentucky. Well, no, I, I, I'm just saying that you know that that's where we are in terms of you know television right now. I, I mean, you got guy, you you've got games starting at nine o'clock local time. Yeah. You better have one of them neck pillows on the plane on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. What is that? Le- I mean, Lexington's not a short. You won't go to bed till one or two a.m. that night. And that's that, well, it'll that, be later than that. I was going to say that's the early. Later than that. Jeez, man, that's a. I guess the post game. I'm probably drawing the straw for that post game show if I had to guess. Oh no, probably not. Okay, no. all right. Uh, let's see what other teams we got. LSU uh, hadn't been great this year. Ole Miss, Kermit's Davis bowed up. Mississippi State. They look good at non-conference, kind of surprise people, and they've kind of taken a step back. I said this earlier this week. I think Dennis Gates and Missouri and Nate Oates are the two candidates for Coach of the Year. I thought Missouri's been a lot better than I initially thought they were going to be. Well, we got half the season left to go in terms of conference play. I mean, we still got a long way to go. So, um, you know, right now to talk about end-of-the-season awards for anything is a little bit premature. He's done a good job. Dennis Gates done a good job. There's no doubt about that. Um, and Nate Oates has done a great job, too. But we've got a long way to go before we start passing out hardware. Is this the year for Tennessee that they actually get over the hump and regular season Rick loses that nickname? Let's say that. And they do something this year? I asked earlier, do you trust Alabama to win a national title? Do you trust Tennessee to make a Final Four? And I think most people, based on on that track record, would say no. I don't know that there's anybody out there this year that I'd look at and say, man, I trust that team to go to the Final Four. That team's going to the Final Four. The only team out there that I've seen that I look at and I say, that's a Final Four team, is Houston. And they've not been that way every time out. I've watched Purdue a good bit. But, um, you know, if you're going to say, do you trust them to go to the Final Four? I don't know about that part. Um, you got to get breaks. I mean, things have got to happen your way when you get there. I know Rick Barnes is a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, people can people can deride what they want, but that guy's a Hall of Fame coach. You mentioned Purdue. I don't think Matt Painter's ever been to a Final Four. I know Zach Eady and company, they got a really good team this year. He might probably win National Player of the Year, but they always seem to slip up in a game they shouldn't. All right, last two, A&M, they've been really good. Only two conference losses this season. We'll see what happens with Buzz Williams. They're a tournament team. And then Vanderbilt. What have you all thought about with Jerry Stackhouse? They are in some games that I don't think people traditionally would expect them to be in this year. First off, I'm not sure A&M's a tournament team. I think they should be, but I'm not sure they are uh, because of the losses that they suffered in December. I can see A&M in a real similar situation to the one that they found themselves in last year um, where, you know, they're right there. I mean, I don't. I don't see bracket. I mean, they're seven and two in the SEC, and I don't see very many guys that have them in the tournament. You know, and that's because of where they, you know, what they did in non-conference play. So, I, first off, I don't think A and M's a guarantee. I do think they're good. I think they are worthy of being one of the top sixty-eight teams in the country. I believe they are, but I also know how it. You know what those. You know these guys lost. I mean, they lost to Colorado State by like what twenty-seven. Jeez. They lost at home to Wofford. I mean, uh, uh, they're still on the outside looking in. And Vanderbilt had an awful night the other night. They just had the misfortune of playing Alabama at home when, you know, Nate Oates had been all over them for about 48 hours, and all they wanted to do was get out on the floor and play so they could get away from him. 
how delicious that would be if A&M got left out again. I'd love nothing more for them to be the, the one seed in the NIT. That would be awesome. Another, You've got to win non-conference games. I mean, you just do. You can't make the argument, well, look where we are now. Well, you, you know, losing games in December and November to teams that are, you know, in the triple digits in terms of net, um, that comes back to bite you. You don't get to just take a mulligan and say, well, we're great in conference. Um, I do think, now look, again, I think a and is one of the 68 best teams. But this idea that you're going to expand the NCAA tournament just because Texas A&M can't win in December? I mean, give me a break. Yeah. All right, so last one. How do we feel about the SEC as a whole coming off of the Big 12 SEC Challenge? Or what was the record? Three and seven for the it's league? It's not as good as the Big 12. Yeah. It's not as good as the Big 12. That would be my conclusion. Yeah, when I didn't think that heading into it. I didn't think it was be as bad as three and seven. I know Arkansas had a chance to win that game. Then you had Missouri winning against Iowa State, and then Mississippi State beating yeah. against TCU, which won are, a couple you didn't expect. To yeah, win. and you, you know? were you were lucky in those in those games. And you lost you, one or two. You yeah, thought you, didn't you expect, might win. Didn't too. think well, Auburn would lose. You know the the Big Twelve is the best conference in the country, and and the SEC is probably with the ACC and the Big Ten. I think it's better than the ACC. I think the ACC's down. Um, I think that, you know, um, all of them have cases to make. All of them have teams that are good enough to get to the Final Four. All you have to do is look on Saturday in the Duke-North Carolina game where neither team is ranked. I mean, if you don't have the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils ranked, the ACC is down. Two Hall of Fame coaches no longer there, yeah. and you're seeing the dividend. Hey, where was Duke's? Uh, where was Duke's recruiting class? Number one in okay. the country, and they're not even in the top twenty-five. So everybody should begin to understand that just because you got a bunch of guys that the NBA projects as being stars one day, that doesn't mean you got a great college team. That's true, and uh, uh, damn right it's true. But there is a there is an asterisk to that. They did change coaches. Yeah, that's the only difference between Arkansas and Duke. Muscle's well, still here. Play, they went from well, but my point to Shire. Is, well, you're 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 nitpicking there. My point is is that number one and number two and number three and four and five recruiting classes, that's no guarantee. It's no guarantee. Nope. And uh, we've seen, like I said, going back to Kentucky, we've seen that for a number of years. Slow starts. Kentucky teams with top talent, not even. Not even make the tournament. Well, I mean, hey, what's going to happen in February is going to set up what happens in March. And um, I like where Arkansas is right now, and I guess we'll just find out. I do know this, that if you're in north-central Arkansas, Baxter Health's your new home for compassionate care beyond measure. And they're proud to announce that Dr. Scott Ferguson has joined the Baxter Health family, and he's going to begin to see patients at the new Baxter Health Urology Clinic in Harrison. Now, if you're in Harrison, you know about Dr. Ferguson. He's been there a long time, and he's going to be taking new patients at his location at 715 West Sherman Avenue in Harrison. Now, you can call him at 870-741-2317, and you can schedule an appointment. And the Baxter Health Urology Clinic in Harrison is now hiring nursing staff with sign-on bonuses available. If you're an experienced LPN, you can join their team of quality care providers. You can visit workwhereyouvacation.com, and they'll uh, have an application there for you to fill out. Let's talk to Charlie, who's in Camden this morning. What's up, Charlie? Good morning, guys. Uh, morning. I finally decided, 
as I finally decided I might have to take somebody else's truck since I'm stuck in the yard this morning. I was actually doing that while I was on hold there. So kind of figured out I wasn't going to make it in my truck uh, unless I somehow gathered Goliath strength and was able to push it out of the mud. So anyway, how you guys doing? Better than you, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's just the way it goes sometimes. But uh, I do want to say this about Duke and uh, UNC. Uh, you're right, they are down this year a little bit, but they are. They still got a shot now. They get in there, and it's like Chuck said, uh, I don't think there's any clear-cut number one team that you could just be like, yeah, man, that team right there is going to the Final Four. They're going to win it all. I think if you get into that tournament and whoever gets in there, they got a shot. So I think Arkansas has a shot. Anybody has a shot. Um, when If you get in there and you've got a matchup that favors you or whatever, and you don't play well, you're going to get beat. I mean, we've seen it. So uh, as far as Tennessee goes, I think they got a shot to make a run too. Uh, but we'll see, you know, like you always say, the tournament. I do want to talk about tomorrow a little bit. Um, do you guys consider tomorrow a must win from the standpoint of, because we know what's about to come up on the schedule for Arkansas. I do in that sense, not because I don't, now is it a must win if they lost as the season over? No, but I think it's a must win from the standpoint, you know, what you got coming up here. Uh, it's fixing to be a tough road, so I think they need to win tomorrow for sure uh, to get some confidence, and that's just my take, guys. Anyways, I'll hang up and listen. Y'all have a great day. Charlie, appreciate it. There's no doubt about they've got a tough road ahead. You still got to go to College Station, to Knoxville, to Tuscaloosa, to Lexington. You got to host the Cats. I mean, that's five of your remaining nine games. Now, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and I'm forgetting the other team that they got on the schedule. Those are winnable games, but yeah, I, I hate using the must win, but they need to win this game tomorrow. It's a can't lose. No doubt. Not a must win. It's a can't lose. Well, it's, you know, it's one of those situations where if you don't win the game tomorrow, all the good stuff that's happened the last couple of weeks is wiped away in a lot of people's minds. So you're making progress right now. The last couple of weeks have been good to you. And, uh, you know, you're, you're beginning to come together as a team. So this is a game you need to go win. What was it you were saying about A&M a few minutes ago? You lost to Wofford. You lost to yeah. – this, this would be that damning of a loss on your resume that it might put you back outside, you know, the, the tournament field. I mean, it's, this is a team that's 283 this morning in the net ranking. Let me tell you about the Wofford Terriers. I have never been more nervous about a basketball game in my entire life than 2015 as I'm driving to Jacksonville, Florida – anticipating that Arkansas is going to win that game, listening to Chuck, and I guess it would have been Scotty at the time, call that game. Because I would have drove all the way to Jacksonville for nothing. Just odd, just out of the blue. But that was a, a game they squeaked out at the end. And, and Charlie's point about North Carolina. North Carolina, I think, was a 7 or 8 seed last year. They caught hot at the end, made the national championship game. Hubert Davis and company turned it around. I don't know if that can be Arkansas this year, but... It's a matchup situation. And Arkansas has got some fortunate matchups these last two years. There have been higher-seeded teams that have lost those NCAA tournament games before Arkansas got to the Elite Eight. You just hope that same thing kind of happens this year. 
At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. There's going to be a lot of scouts in the building tomorrow to watch Gigi Jackson and Anthony Black, among other players. I know Ricky Council has risen the way he's played, but uh, guys, this is a connection that these guys shared with Team USA, and I know that both of them, like Anthony Black and Keontae, they're itching to compete tomorrow. I'm sure they are, and these are fun games for them when they play players that, you know, they've shared honors with, I guess, in in their previous basketball lives, but you know, these guys like playing. I mean, you can tell when Anthony Black's out there, he loves playing basketball. I mean, he just loves it. And uh, I've not watched Gigi Jackson as much, but I'm sure that he loves it too. And sounds like both these guys have, you know, really bright futures and are going to have a chance to play a long time. Yeah, and it, I think they're, like you said, when you, when you know somebody, you've got history with them, I think it just juices you up a little bit more. I, I want to beat this guy. I don't care what it is. I mean, you just want to beat him because uh, – it might be your last chance for a long time. So you don't well, get very many opportunities in games like this. So I, I think it's 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 neat to watch how these things unfold sometimes. You know, you do have great players. And if you sign great players and you're playing, you know, in our league, you're going to play players like that. Uh, there's, uh, you know, there's somebody on all the good teams. And in this case, a team that's not won as many games. There's always somebody out there that, you know, they're talking about being the next big thing. And, you know, I'm sure these guys do, um, you know, when they have a history like that, enjoy playing each other. Just like, you know, guys that may not be McDonald's All-Americans, but, you know, played uh, played together, played against one another. For example, I, I'm sure the the game the other night when uh, Council and Dexter Dennis were matched up against one another. You know, they'd been teammates at Wichita State. I, I'm sure it meant a little more to them, too. These teams are the worst in the conference in turning the ball over, and I know that's been Arkansas's Achilles heel on the road at times. Free throws has also been a big factor. Is that going to play a huge role in tomorrow's game based on what it has in conference thus far? Hope not. Well, the track record would tell you that turnovers are going to be a factor, yes. I mean, the track record for South Carolina says, yeah, uh, turnovers have been an issue. Um, there have been games Arkansas has played. You've looked at it and said, yeah, turnovers have been an issue. So um, I think it's fair to say that good or bad, um, you know, when we look at the turnovers at the end of the game, there's a good chance that will tell the story. Yeah. Hopefully at least one team, and to be the Razorbacks are better in that category. If not, it could be an ugly game. What 
The last thing, Chuck, you want to see is like 30 combined turnovers. That's just a bad <laughs> basketball game. No, I mean, you know, hopefully we won't see that. South Carolina's had trouble scoring. You know, their their average point differential per game is about minus 10. Um, but that doesn't mean that they won't have a great day. And, you know, everybody out there has got a big day in them. And, you know, if a guy like Gigi Jackson, say, and, you know, if a guy like that, Arkansas has done a really good job at shutting down the other team's best player. But, you know, a guy like that, if he goes off, I mean, he can carry you. He can carry you for a Saturday, carry you for 40 minutes. And um, that's why it's so important that you do shut down their best player or at least, you know, um, make him not as good as he's been. But this is a great player. And, again, they've got scholarship players. Um, You know, they brought in a guy from Murray State that's pretty good. Uh, They brought in a guy from Ohio State that's pretty good. They've got a player that – uh, that six-five uh, forward named Hayden Brown that came in from I think the Citadel. He's a good player. So you know they've they've got some guys that are capable of having big days. I know that Devo Davis guarded Brandon Miller, all six nine of them earlier this season. It's not going to be a hundred percent set in stone, but I wouldn't be surprised even though that Gigi's bigger than him if he initially gets that first assignment. I don't know what the over-under Tommy on the Bet Saracen app is for Gigi's points, but if D if Devo's guarding them, I would I would take the under the way he's played defense this well, year. He's played well, and particularly in the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, well, we'll have to see how they draw their assignments there. I, I would have a difficult time believing that six four guards six nine for very long. Uh, I'm not saying Devo's not a great defensive player, but. Um, I don't. I, I. I. would not think they would do that all day. Gigi's a little thicker than Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller's pretty. I mean, he's still growing into himself. Still got to put on some NBA weight before he gets to the next level. But uh, regardless of what happens, D- Devo's got to have an impact tomorrow, like he has the last couple games. And I, I think when it comes to this basketball team, Tommy, you mentioned the three-point shooting. They ended up. What were they? Thirty-three percent on Tuesday night, if I remember that right. They have. It's been a night and day difference, and it's not like they're taking twenty five threes a game by any stretch. But they're just shooting the ball way better than when they were. No joke, like three hundred and thirty third of three hundred sixty three teams in college basketball. You're right about the percentage, but to me, it's the number they made. They made six. They were six of eighteen. So, you know, I've maintained my opinion that you know you need to be in that six, seven, eight category to win a lot of to to win these tight ball games. I don't know how tight this game will or won't be, but. To me, Arkansas's percentage goes up when you get in that six, seven, eight. You had four in that game against Baylor. You lost the game, but you know, I think it's important that Arkansas finds a way to knock down six, seven, eight of those things. That means they're probably shooting the ball better from everywhere on the floor. Six of eighteen will win you a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really will. Uh, particularly for this team, if they could shoot six of eighteen the rest of the way, I could live with that. I mean, it'd be nice maybe if you'd have a spree. But here's the thing. I, I, I think shot selection has a lot to do with this as well. Um, I think that's got a lot to do with it. You look at some of the threes that are being taken now as opposed to where some of the three-pointers were put up from before. Just look, you know, look at an old-fashioned shot chart, and uh, you'll see a lot of misses in different spots from where you see a lot of the makes now. And uh, a lot of the three-point shooting, I mean, it's got to come within the framework of the offense. It really does. And I think it's, you know, I think that's a big part of it as well. I think their shot selection's improved a lot. I haven't watched a ton of South Carolina this year. I watched the Kentucky-South Carolina game in its entirety, and I've watched bits and pieces here and there. Are they going to zone Arkansas tomorrow? Are they going to be, you mentioned, is it Lamont Paris, Chuck? That's the guy's name, coach's name. 
Uh, do you expect them to zone Arkansas at points during the game tomorrow? I would expect them to some. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know how much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would expect them to some. What have you guys noticed about how Arkansas attacks the zone relative to attack demand? I've noticed that they they don't pass the ball as quick as they need to initially, and at times they'll take a wild three-pointer. So if you're talking about shot selection, I was watching Virginia get Syracuse the other night. Ball's moving consistently, fast, quick passes. I feel like at times they take five or ten seconds to kind of figure out what they're going to do to dissect the zone. They don't actually get into it quick enough. I think there are times they've attacked it well, and there are times that they haven't. Um, you know, it's um, a lot of it is, you know, the matchup that's on the floor right then when the other team goes to the zone. Um, but I, I, I think for the most part, Arkansas's offense against the zone has been good enough. I mean, is it, you know, I mean, is it perfect? No, but I think it's, you know, they'll, they'll face more zone as they go, but um, I think they'll be able to – you know they're much better at breaking it down. I'll put it that way than they were early in the year. I think they've gotten better in the last three or four weeks in those passes. And I agree with what you're saying that you know Devo and AB maybe just kind of sharing you know low low leverage passes near the top of the key that uh, you know they're out top of the zone. And then you next thing you know the shot clock's at ten and oh we better do something. But I think they've done better of, of, of the skip passes, finding Devo open on the elbow, even the passes to the low block when you. When you get the the ball to the to the high post and it opens up and the defender uh, doubles down and it leaves someone open underneath, they're making good clean passes to get those chip shots around the rim. So I think they've done what they need to do: used one pass to open up someone else for either an open shot or a quick look underneath the basket. And I think that's what they're getting better at: is getting the zone defense off kilter, off balance to open somebody up when they bite on a double team. I used to think that Devo was the best mid-range shooter on this team. It wasn't even close, but Ricky's kind of shown that crossover pull-up he has, the elbow in the, the middle kind of at the free-throw line, that's his thing. So when what Devo's done with the three-point shot is he's opened it up and he's proven that he can be on the wing and not just in the middle. So when they have Ricky in that kind of high post area and then you have one of the Mitchell brothers or, the Graham, or Graham cutting baseline, that creates yeah. problems for the opposing team when you're trying that 2-3 or... 3-2 or 1-3-1. To me, the next thing you got to figure out against this zone is how to draw more contact, how to get to the free throw line a little more consistent. I mean, in, inherently, when you're playing zone, the other team's going to be called for fewer fouls. That's just that's how it is uh, because they're not as handsy. They're not right up on you. you got to figure out a way, I, I think, guys, to get more contact going to the rim, figure out how to get more free throw attempts because at times that's been um, you know, a problem, particularly in losses where Arkansas is not getting to the free throw line enough. Well, and that comes from breaking down the zone as opposed to shooting over it. And, uh, you know, you 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 know you look when other teams are playing man. I mean, Baylor did this a time or two. I mean, when they begin to set up, it almost looks like they're in a zone. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're sagging, uh, you know, so much in their man, and some other guys will do that. I you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get into coach speak too much because, you know, that's, that's not what I do. But um, I do know that when this team is at its best against the zone, um, they're not shooting over them. They're breaking them down. They're getting to the rim, as you say. They're getting to the foul line. And that's how you beat a zone. Confidence is a word that y'all both mentioned earlier. And this team, again, 0-5 on the road. They've showed confidence at home. It's not like... They've gotten blown out on the road. One possession lost to LSU. One possession lost to Mizzou. One possession lost to Baylor. But 
for them to get a win tomorrow would be big, even though against a lesser opponent, at least from conference standards. I also think for some of the guys that have not been successful shooting on the road, I don't know if Muss is going to stick to the seven guys he played on Tuesday or if that was just a unique matchup situation. But if Joseph Pinion, if they do zone and some teams are going to zone Arkansas, he's shown the ability to shoot at home. He hasn't yet shown the capability consistently to shoot on the road as a young freshman. If he was able to knock down some open looks tomorrow, that would be big for him individually as well. Well, yeah. I mean, sure it would. That would be big for him individually, and it'd be big for the team. They, um, you know, opinion shooting percentage from beyond the arcs about like everybody else's. Maybe a little bit higher, but um, not much. I mean, he's, he's not 40% or anything like that, so... I mean, they've, uh, um, again, if if you're going to get three-pointers against the zone, you better have broken it down first because that's how you're going to get good three-pointers against the zone. If you're just out there, you know, as you say, passing it around till the shot clock hits five and somebody jacks one up, you're, you're not going to shoot a very good percentage. But if you've broken it down and, um, you know, the zone as a whole is not giving you problems, then that's when you get the open looks. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but hopefully you get that open look underneath the basket, that, and that's what you know. Right. Ultimately, you'd like to do is have one of the Mitchells or so, you know one of your big guys down low, uh, wide open because someone doubled down high on the on a high post or or moved out to the wing and made a mistake. That's what you're ultimately trying to do is get the defense to make a mistake. Well, there's only you know when you really talk about the upper echelon of college basketball, there's. There's maybe three or four teams out there. It doesn't matter if you play zone or man. They're going to score on you. But zone gives lots of people problems. I mean, it's a, uh, um, you know, these these kids don't grow up playing zone. I mean, they, uh, they you know, basketball, for better or worse, um, I mean, it's about taking the other guy. And um, so zone zone tends to give a lot of teams trouble. Yeah, and, and let's not pretend, you know, Arkansas's used to seeing the zone now at this point. They, they see it probably – you, what would you say, two-thirds to three-fourths of the, the half-court possessions? That's what they've probably seen. I don't, I don't know what the number would be. No, more, more than half, but not completely. There's still some man played on them. But most teams play man and not zone with the primary amount of their defense. So mm-hmm. when you play Arkansas, then you try to shift to a zone. There, let's not act like there's not a risk for whoever the opponent is. They're going to have defensive issues because, Chuck, it's not what they're comfortable doing. Well, they're still facing. I would say less than half the possessions. They're, uh, uh, you know, they're facing zone. It's, it's. We notice, and and there have been some points in games where teams have gone to zone, and it's really, you know, I mean, it's really helped. But um, they're still going to face. It's still going to be primarily man. Um, you know, zone. There aren't many teams out there that just play exclusively zone and are good. I mean, Bayheim did it for a while, but. Um, you know, most of the most of the teams are still going to play for the most part man-to-man defense. Hey, if you're in the market to buy or sell a home, let me uh, let me talk to those of you who are thinking about that, or maybe those of you who are moving into the process as we speak. Let me recommend Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, to you. What you're going to find is these are complete and total real estate professionals. This is all they do. This is not a side gig. This is something that they do and they study and they're trained for each and every day. When it came time for me to buy and sell, that's who I went with. And it's because of that 
because, you know, as much as I might like to think otherwise, I don't know that much about the real estate game. And uh, you need somebody on your side of the table that does because that helps them understand the market in a way you can't. It helps them negotiate a price in a way you can't. And ultimately, it does help you get from contract to close. It gets you from contract to close. And that's the bottom line when you're involved in a real estate transaction. Now, they've got an office in Fayetteville. They're in Springdale. They're in Bentonville office in Fort Smith. They've recently opened an office in Branson, Missouri, and you can always log on to WeikertGriffin.com. It's National Wear Red Day in the great state of Arkansas and across the United States. Guys, I know, Chuck, you're a sleek dresser. Tommy, you've got some good Razorback apparel as well. What is your number one Razorback red piece of item? Oh, that's easy. Article of clothing you own. Back in football, I bought one of them Tommy Bahama red button-down, um, it's not a Hawaiian, but red button-down short sleeve shirts over from Robert and uh, the staff over at Stadium Shop. So that that's my favorite red Razorback shirt, without question. What about you, Chuck? You got a lot of them, man. You look good. Well, in right now it's a red Razorback hoodie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, <laughs> yeah. This 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 time of year, right. whatever hoodie you got's the best one. Oh man, yeah, those are those are comfortable. I have a retro red. 94 national championship shirt that is one of the most valuable possessions i own not in terms of value but just in terms of likeness i would say that would definitely have to be it i like when they've done the the red outs and the white outs inside of bud wall and arena but uh i would and i know there's only one version of razorback red do you guys get a little ticked off when people are wearing off color raised non-razorback gear or what's the non-razorback red razorback stuff you get frustrated when you see the no. Frog Hog logo. No, you got other things to worry about. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't bother me. What I do it. get upset with is when the Block A and the Script A, and one's Alabama and one's Arkansas, and someone someone who is who bought the merchandise that store clearly screwed up and didn't know what they were doing, and they they try to sneak that Alabama stuff, and they're thinking it's Arkansas oh, stuff. Geez. You got you know I've run across that a few times where uh, you know there was a time way back in the day. If you look at some of Arkansas's old baseball ball caps and their uniforms, that is what is now the Alabama A. And uh, it was very, very similar to what is now the Alabama A. I don't know when they went exclusively to the old English A, but uh, you go way back. I can. Um, there was a you know it was a different A than it is now. Yeah. I want to get some of the shirts that must and company get their hands on. Those coaching shirts that they... And they have a different one for each game. I mean, they have some... Re- and it's not just red. I don't think those are for sale. Yeah. I think those are exclusive. Those are exclusive to them. Got a big shirt budget over there. Yeah. yeah. He, he has changed the, the coaching profession in terms of where. He, I mean, and maybe we noticed... Well, I don't know if he's changed it, but, well, but I mean... Guys, he's, uh, I, I agree with Ty. How many, how many guys you see wearing suits anymore? I know Buzz Williams does, but that's his... That's his deal. That's his brand. Suit and tie used to is, be, used to be well, Bobby the Bobby Knight was the first one that stopped doing it. But the sweater, you know, him and what was it, Lou Carnesecca, am I saying his last name right? They, yeah, they, Lou Carnesecca was Saint a sweater Red guy. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, up until Musk got here, everybody seemingly in this yeah. league and around college basketball wore coat and tie. And now you That's see changed. like less than half of the guys. Well, I, I mean, it's a much more casual world. I, I can just tell you, you know, um, within athletic departments. I'll just use ours as an example. There is There was a period we went through where, uh, you know, if you were going to be, you know, one of the movers and shakers, you had to have a white shirt and tie on every day. 
and um, it's a little more casual now. Yeah, you, we can credit Musk, but I think it's really COVID. We all got a lot more casual following COVID and coming Our coming through wear. all that. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.